This is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we're offering four conversations from Season 3, Episode 11. Our first look at the new Nail NIT consortium that has come into being to study direct links between NITs and outcomes, and what these links can tell us about trial design and therapeutic success. In this conversation, study co-director Stephen Harrison and Mazen Nouradine and steering committee members Sen Sundaram of Turns Pharmaceuticals and Amy Articolo of Novo Nordisk discuss the motivations and passions that drove them to become strongly involved in this initiative, what they have to say is compelling. Nail NIT has the potential to deliver relatively timely results, perhaps even starting in a year or two, on issues that will improve every element of how we develop and improve medications and tests for NAPL and NASH. It's a big thing. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. What the folks on this call that are not Louise and I have in common is involvement in Nail NIT, which we've talked about a bit over two or three of the recent episodes. It's an important initiative, a, a really important initiative, and I'm not going to do it justice. So I'm just going to invite Stephen or Mazen, as you guys will, to take a few minutes and kick off and describe exactly what it is and how it came about and why the folks who are listening should care so much. Mazen Nureddin. We can start either, but I think this is when I was talking to Stephen and I realized that we exactly had the same passion about the same topic. And uh, I guess it's passionate for a lot of people in the field that our patients, which is now for 30% of the population, they're still getting biopsies to enter clinical trials to get drug approved. Don't take me wrong. This is how we started many years ago and it made more sense. But he and I and many others have been thinking about what is the best way to move away from liver biopsy in phase three trials and beyond that in clinical practice. We were talking one day and we had a project in mind and our words matched and uh, we said, let's try to do something that is complementary to the field to what's being already done, which is litmus and nimble, as well as gold mine and deliver forum work and shoot for what the FDA is trying to do, which is getting to assess treatment response and more importantly, major liver related outcomes using NITs. So I will tell you the major goal and maybe Stephen can give it a shot on the design of the retrospective and the prospective. And the main goal is basically that we will get to the point that recently the FDA asked for. And the vision is to get to the major liver-related outcomes using NITs and replace the liver biopsy. What was nice is that Sin was also talking the same thing. He came down, I guess, to Los Angeles and San Antonio and pushed for the concept as well. And we're like, we're thinking about that. And we were pleasantly surprised that he's thinking about the same thing. And he had this experience uh, with PBC and having ALKFOS as the primary endpoint for PPC trials. So this is when we started this effort and that became more obvious in NASHTAC when we presented the data. Amy has been essential in the structure of this consortium and thanks to her and Novo for the great support. And I will let Stephen give his, I guess, angle and the design of the big retrospective and retrospective. Stephen Harrison. Yeah, thanks, Mazen. And, you know, just to add to that, the whole idea behind Nail and IT is to change a mindset, to change a paradigm to change dogma, to say this is no longer what has to be done. We can think outside the box. We can, first of all, outline the gaps that exist in the literature and in our field with data to drive towards a non-invasive strategy and kind of get beyond the biopsy. So in the context of that, we think of three different ways to utilize biomarkers. 
One is in diagnosing the at-risk patient. Number two is measuring therapeutic efficacy of a drug. And number three is predicting long-term outcomes. In the liver world, Mazen and I and others like the acronym MALO, Major Adverse Liver Outcomes. You may have heard of MACE, Major Adverse Cardiac Events. Those are additional outcomes that we could potentially study in NASH patients also, since outside of cirrhosis, that's the number one killer of a liver patient with NASH. It's really a groundswell of lots of like-minded people. You have several of them on the call with us today. Amy has been an ardent proponent of really just trying to figure out the way forward in NASH with the weight of Novo Nordis behind her and the passion that she brings to the table. And Sin brings a, a similar perspective, but from a different angle, having been at Intercept and then, and then now ha- having the reins of Turns, which is clearly a company that is invested in NASH, just like Novo is. But a different part of the country, they come from East and West coast and they come from small biotech and large pharma. And really sitting down and thinking about this, you know, Mazen and I could have never done this by ourselves. It's a team approach. You know, there's no I in the word team, but there is in win. If we're going to win this, we need everybody pulling together to address the gaps that the FDA has identified. And quite frankly, to the point that Mazen made, we put ourselves in this boat. We wanted to get drug development going in NASH. And so we said, what will it take to get started? And along time ago, we agreed on a histopathologic endpoint. Since that time, it's become apparent that it's very, very challenging to use histopathology as a, at least as a surrogate endpoint in NASH clinical trial drug development, and it takes a long, long time to get to an outcome in these patients. So can we find a way forward where we bridge that gap and get away from a liver biopsy? And you know, there's Litmus, there's Nimble, two awesome consortium. You know, I'm part of Litmus. Maz and I think, you know, and others are part of Nimble or involved peripherally in some way. There's Goldmine that Rohit Lumba is championing. We want to be additive to that. We want to fill the gaps in those particular consortia and work in parallel, work hand in hand with those organizations to fill the gaps that are needed to be filled and drive the paradigm. And so in that vein, we have two main objectives with Nail and IT. Number one is a retrospective analysis of the data that's been collected heretofore. And interestingly, over the past decade, clinical trials have been done in this field, but it's been done in stovepipes. Everybody is evaluating their own data independently, and some of it is terrific data, but limited in power. And so we want to bring all that together agnostically into one data set and mine it for what is there to be had. And that's the retrospective part. That will also be done in parallel with a prospective component. And then this is something that is definitely unique as well. And that is agnostically, let's enroll people that have at-risk NASH, maybe even more advanced liver disease, do it with a non-invasive testing strategy. We're not going to incorporate liver biopsy to get into the trial. And we're going to evaluate these people over time, ideally over the next five to six years, where we assess these non-invasive testing strategies on an annual basis, maybe more frequently, depending on the type of study it is, blood-based versus imaging-based. And we're going to take these people out to an outcome, MACE, MALO, progression to diabetes, renal disease, and other outcome measures potentially as well to include sarcopenia, 
you know, we can measure the liver frailty index, and there's other ways to get at endpoint assessments in addition to PROs, patient reported outcome measures. So there's a lot to unpack and a lot to do, but uh, that's my initial thoughts to add to Mazin's. Sen, why don't I turn to you next? And since uh, they described your role in the Genesis, talk a little bit about your background and why this felt so important to you to do and how you engaged it. Sen Soon Dharam. Thanks, Roger. So uh, uh, as uh, I think Stephen mentioned, I, I joined Turns you know, fairly recently, but this is not my first exposure to NASH or to liver disease. I started the early part of my career at Intercept Pharmaceuticals back when that company was still uh, primarily focused on, on PBC and trying to get a better choleic acid approved uh, for, uh, for, for PBC. And uh, the challenge was that there wasn't really a lot of development in PBC because the only approvable endpoint and the only drug approved at that point was uh, UDCA, which had been approved on a hard outcomes endpoint. And uh, there wasn't really any consensus around what the right bio chemical surrogate endpoint uh, should be. There, I think there was an emerging consensus, a lot of data being collected across different academic groups around the world, but no clear consensus, no one really pushing the FDA or the EMA to arrive at an alternative surrogate endpoint, really until Intercept, I think, uh, uh, spearheaded or at least seeded the global PBC study group, which was a multinational initiative, multiple academic centers, where they pooled together some of their retrospective data, looking at about various biochemical endpoints. Uh, ultimately, to support the, the utility of alkaline phosphatase in, in bilirubin as a surrogate endpoint that could predict outcomes in uh, those folks with uh, with PBC. And I think this was a you know, certainly a great victory for Intercept uh, you know, several years ago when uh, when they got this approval for Ocalava. But more importantly for patients, you know, I think now we're seeing additional product candidates being explored for PBC and the potential to even to build upon, to improve upon the benefit that Ocalava is having in that indication. So for me, this seemed like a very good corollary. Certainly, there there are differences. NASH is a much more prevalent indication. There is no other approved therapeutic for NASH now, whereas for PBC, certainly UDCA is, is approved. Uh, but I saw the need there. I think the uh, you know the desire to work towards an approval, a desire to help patients. And we've talked about the challenges in, in development so far. I think we're all seeing those challenges over the last decade, uh, despite a lot of the advances that we've seen, both in terms of understanding which mechanisms can potentially work, uh, how to think about combinations, even which NITs may be, you know, have utility. But I think the challenge is that we, we still don't have that consensus. You know, having Stephen and, and Mazin uh, spearheading this uh, with, with all of us here uh, is going to be incredibly helpful because it's going to get us to that point where we can have those discussions with uh, with regulators. And it's you know, not just for benefit of patients, certainly, uh, but uh, I, I think we, we need this as a field. We need, we need to really kickstart development in, in Nash again. We are at an inflection point. I think we can we can get this over the edge. And Sen, what, what does it mean now for turns as you move forward and as this initiative goes forward? Where do you see the benefit being not only for you, but for small developmental companies like you at earlier stages in pipeline? So I think we, like everyone else, we are following the current guidance from FDA, which is based on the histopathological assessment for trials that are phase 2B or, or, or later. What we'd love to see is somewhere down the road where we could utilize alternative surrogate endpoints for those later stage studies. We're fortunate to be in a position where we're still doing some of the earlier stage studies. We don't yet have to commit to a biopsy-based study at this point in time in, in the near term, but we're certainly starting to think about that. In particular for, for turns and you know, 
certainly companies like Novo and others that are thinking about combination therapies becomes even more uh, challenging to show the additivity of, of effects on a histopathological endpoint. And if we can move perhaps towards a non-invasive endpoint, it, it may be easier to show the additivity of effects, the, the potential additive benefit of utilizing multiple therapies for, for different patients. So I think we're fortunate to be a little bit earlier in this development journey, but you know we're, we're certainly building off of a lot of the work that has been done uh, by those who've uh, moved ahead of us. I guess last among folks at the table right now, Amy, how you came to be so so engaged, where you saw the need and how you've joined in and what you're doing right now. Amy Articolo. Yeah, thank you so much, Roger. And I'm probably a little bit of a lone wolf here that my background, uh, obstetrics and gynecology, and I was in clinical practice for a really long time. And while in practice, we recognize the gaps of metabolic health in women's health, particularly on maternal morbidity and mortality. And really, we're looking at what can we do better? How can we identify these patients? How can we provide the right intervention at the right time and the, for the appropriate patient in the appropriate setting? And as you can imagine, we realized that there was a lot of gaps to be addressed all across the care continuum, particularly in trying to improve outcomes. And ultimately got involved with metabolic health and found Novo. Novo found me. And it's been a fantastic career for the past couple of years and um, working in uh, first in obesity, then in, in NASH. My passion is really patient-driven, patient-centered care and the work that we do to support initiatives such as the one that Stephen and Mazin are, are championing was, of course, keen interest as we're really looking to help patients uh, not only to bring therapeutics that they meet that urgent need, but also to really help patients be able to have the right diagnosis, right, with the right component of tools and resources. We're very limited right now. So what can we do to drive this so that patients can be diagnosed, monitored, and have tests that really are linked to outcomes? And the data we have, you know, especially in the research we've done at Novo is that patients and the field it's, uh, overall is really looking for NITEs that are going to have a proven link to outcomes, limited invasiveness, right? That's been a big concern, particularly from the patients, a high degree of accuracy, which, you know, um, um, this is something that all of you are familiar with, but for our audience that, of course, should be familiar as well. And then key to what Stephen, Mazin, and Sen is saying, the, the prognostic ability and ability to monitor treatment. You know, if we could hit all of those, then you have that NIT that is highly desirable. But we can't do this alone. We can't operate in silos. And the way to really be able to reach that, uh, what I call the epitome or the aha moment of non-invasive tests is to do this as a collective. And so for me, the passion was, okay, here's a path forward to be able to bring that to light. And so I thank all of you for all the great work that you're doing in this space. And I really look forward to working together to make that happen. And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week with an episode honoring Black History Month, looking at how the interplay of genomics and social determinants of health shape the challenges inherent in treating NAPL and NASH among non-Hispanic Blacks in the U.S. and presumably wherever else non-Hispanic Blacks live. Until then, stay safe, surf on, and we'll see you next week on Surfing the National Economic Podcast. Bye-bye now. <laughs>